All right, guys, big episode of the Nordies podcast. We talk about Netflix's 1899, break down some succession-like news at Disney. We make guesses about Tarantino's next project and rewatch David Fincher's The Game. Let's go. And here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How's it going, guys? Uh, better now. Oh, I'm good, man. How are you? I feel good. It's uh, Thanksgiving week, so everyone's got time off. You get to spend time with family, lots of sports, good food. Can't be upset about any of that stuff. Uh, and then we had a podcast where we had to like deal with some stuff. So we had to break down the Vikings' embarrassing 40-3 to loss. We'll tell you why you should still be a fan of the Vikings and you shouldn't worry too much. We talk about the Wolves on our little mini winning streak. We talked about the World Cup. We broke down the Twins' uh, new jerseys and their new branding and what our thoughts are on the logo, the M, which is controversial. So go check that out. That podcast was awesome. You'll definitely need to hear it. And hopefully uh, we'll get back to our winning ways here in Minnesota um, as soon as Thanksgiving. Maybe it's always yeah, happened. This. It was a hard-hitting first pot. It was. Yeah, it was no-holds-barred. All right, well, speaking of hard-hitting and no-holds-barred, what are you guys drinking? Hmm, I'm not sure that transition made that much sense, but it's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is no-holds-barred beer. Uh, this is a Sierra Nevada Celebration Fresh Hop IPA. Oh, it's your favorite. It's your favorite. It's yeah. back. And I'm going to drink at least two of them throughout this podcast. I love them. I get the 12-packs. If you come over for a beer, you guys... You can pick one because they're always going to be stocked all winter. Love that. Love that for you. Uh, I'm rebooting. I'm doing the Hollywood reboot. I'm drinking the same thing as last pod, the Are We Clear from Black Sack. It's really good. It's a really drinkable beer. And it's I'm not going to get too deep into it. The approachability of a Black Stack beer is becoming few and far between because uh, mm-hmm. everything's like 8.5 to 9 to 10 to triple IPA this and triple that. So this one at 7% seems really nice. I like nice. it. We're having a lot of Black Sack this week. I'm having Read the Room, their fruited sour beer. It's really good. Sweet. It's a great sour beer. Just they're crushing it with that. So, all right, guys, uh, please give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordy's Podcast and subscribe anywhere that you guys get your favorite podcasts from and get this, your favorite podcast, each and every week for free. Thank Sweet. you. Hey, do it. Help yourself, Somebody Help yourself it, to uh, an extra. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right, guys. Here we go. Do we well, care? Boy, we, we absolutely fucking nailed that. <laughs> Let's Talking over one the another. Transitions. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Jimbo, you and I, I think that's our signal. Step back. Step back. <laughs> All right. Time for Do We Care, guys. And we're going to start out with some Disney news. Bob Iger is back at Disney, back in charge. Why is this happening? The king is back. Uh, so, Chapek apparently... Did not have the confidence of the board or whomever. I don't, I don't know how this shit works. Um, so if you've ever watched Succession, which we've obviously talked about on this podcast, it is hilariously close to what I thought was just like jokingly throwaway lines on Succession where they're like, well, he ran the parks, so he can really take over this division. And literally... Bobby Chapek was like their head of the Disney parks and then they made him CEO of all of Disney. And so then he was trying to run things, but like Bob Iger, um, you know, obviously had more breadth and, and let the creatives do their thing. Whereas Chapek brought it all under one roof. This is all um, Mm. information I've gleaned from multiple sources. Um, Mm. I've heard on, on podcasts, like, I, I didn't talk to the sources myself. I just mean like... <laughs> I was going to say, dude, I didn't know we did. I'm, re- get yeah, recording, I'm, I'm really in with the Disney crowd. Yeah. No. Um, so it, the fact that they were joking about like, or that it was a real thing where like somebody came from the parks department um, of this big media conglomerate um, was so exactly like Succession. I was just laughing. Um, and That's then perfect. they, you know, middle of the night ousted him and brought back the the old guy to come replace him, and it's just oh, it's just so man. funny. Yeah, yeah. Bye, Wasn't he like? I mean, he was CEO for like 15, 20 years, wasn't Long he? Long time. He the 90s Yeah, he did all and... of the the ESPN acquisition, and you know, but brought in Lucasfilm, oh. um, all that. It brought in Marvel, all that stuff. Like that was all under Bob's watch. Okay, we'll, we'll see right, what happens uh, with that. Yeah. All right. That's some wild. Well, news. from a, from and sorry from a from a content perspective. I think this is going to be good. I think 
JPEG wasn't the right guy to have creatives at the the Disney Plus era of things making good decisions. I think they got lucky a few times. I think Book of Boba Fett doesn't happen. Uh, But anyway, I think uh, this will be a good thing for us as a media-consuming podcast um, that the creative license will be given back to the creatives instead of having the CEO sign off on. Okay. I think it'll be a good thing. All right. Um, Wow. That's some real drama. Uh, Let's move on to something else. That's James Cameron talking about Avatar, uh, the shape of water, the sound of water, the the movement of water. It's the wetness of of moisture, actually. Um, No, it's called the way of water. And (laughs) I just feel like James Cameron's a little bit like he's becoming self-aware, like his own Terminator uh, did. It's like he he's been he's giving these pressers. He's like, you know, you guys look. I know I was going to do five movies, but if this shit don't work out, maybe three. And now he's like, this movie actually has to make <laughs> like $3 billion. It has to be the third, maybe fourth highest grossing movie of all time. Maybe we get a sequel. And then he's like, you know, really from the outside, this is probably one of the worst and, you know, worst business propositions ever to make this movie. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he's like prepping audiences and his own business partners to be like let down by this but he never talks like this so i, I don't know it's i but think it's gonna be business, a big partners, business partners i'm sure he like he invests a lot himself in his own movies yes so he's always um, a producer yeah i don't feel like him already sort of greasing the wheels to the public that ah uh, you might not see another one yeah. i don't know if that's a like a reverse psychology strategy like hey listen if you don't come out i not get the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh version of this movie. So you probably should come see this one. I don't know. It like I heard the or I was reading something about this movie needs to make two billion dollars to be solvent, financially solvent. Oh my god. That seems like a like you said, it's gotta be the third or fourth highest, whatever. Like it seems uh kind of unreachable at this point. I yeah, I just I didn't see the first one. And I don't really feel a need to, and I don't want to see this one, and I just kind of wish it would all go away. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm excited for I know it. it sounds, I know that sounds super negative, but like it's like just one of the movies that I find myself, I don't know, I was like, man, I saw Ferngully as a kid. Do I really need to see this? No. I, well, if you, oh, I didn't know you had seen Ferngully, because then you're Same good. thing. Same <laughs> thing. Why are, saying, why are you guys saying it's so weird? Ferngully. Ferngully? It's Ferngully. Ferngully. You're, Fern, you're saying You're saying Ferngully. 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 I thought it was like a, like, it was like a, I was imagining a gully was a thing, and this was fern was the name of the gully. Yeah, it's an adjective describing the gully. It's a fern gully. Yeah. Fern gully. gully. Yeah, that's why. It's gully. A, why are you putting the Why are you putting the emphasis at the end? <laughs> fern gully is like poor <laughs> well, gullet. You sound like, like Saw Guerrera. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like you know uh, Willow Lake. Yep. What? <laughs> I'm just gonna move on. I'm just gonna move on. Fern Gully. Okay, Gully. we're nailing. We're we're firing on all cylinders. Thanks for everyone sticking with us. We appreciate it. <laughs> all right, Indiana Jones Five, uh, getting some hype, especially for its opening scene. Why is the opening scene drawing such rave reviews? Well, nobody's really seen it yet. These reviews are coming from like you know actors that have seen it, and but I will say that it does get me a little bit more excited. I guess it opens up with a very classic feeling Indiana Jones sequence with a de-aged Harrison, right? So this scene would be taking place between movie three and four, uh, like in the 60s, or even, I guess, probably like the 50s, right? And then they're going to jump to like 1969 where the movie's going to take place. But I guess like the de-aging on Harrison looks absolutely perfect, like the best they've done yet in Hollywood. And the scene is incredible. It does make me just, you know, 4% more hype for a movie that I was only at 4% hype level. Um, so I'm at 8% now and that feels good. How do you, with CGI, how do you de-age someone running? Because you, I feel like, Oh, at that point, what are you even doing? Because you do, you have a body double and you're replacing the face. He doesn't need to be on set for that scene. I don't think he was there. Okay. So he's Maybe just there for like, a, he's going to be there for a, a handful of speaking parts and then everything else is going to be CGI and stunt double. I mean, his voice has gotten so like gravel in his fucking throat yeah. that I, I bet he didn't even do the speaking parts for that. So <laughs> I don't know, but Hey, it should hey be, they can't recast him. Just do a whole don't. CG movie with him and it'll be great. Probably the don't, best yet. Can't recast, 
Can't recast Harrison Ford in this role. He's too perfect. He's, he's yeah, untouchable. Exactly. I just really think that they could have just done a new Indiana Jones. I'm not sure who it would be. It's like guessing the next James Bond. There's probably lots of people who would tear it up and be amazing. Mm-hmm. And like just them redoing Indiana Jones with like someone who could move would be awesome. I'd like, like Miles Eric, Teller. I Eric, think Miles Teller hold on. They've tried this twice. They tried it with River Phoenix, who died of an overdose. And yep. then they tried it with Shia, and that movie sucked. And he is so... going to die of an overdose at some point, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, or something, mm-hmm. yeah. Or he's just so going to be they've, they've tried it. They've yeah, tried it. It true. just hasn't really... It's just poorly executed and maybe bad luck with River Phoenix. I don't know. I told you who I think should be the, the next Indiana Jones. Fast Tom Holland? Zendaya. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I like that, yeah. Zendaya is the next Indiana Jones would be awesome. Tom Holland can't do it. He just did Uncharted, and that sucked. Zendaya throwing on the <laughs> Indiana Jones hat would be awesome. And, like, I think they could get around it by, like... Dude, uh, dude, I think... Listen, I don't think Zendaya could do Indiana Jones. That's too much, like, Uncharted. Like, talk about a rift between the couple. Mm-hmm. Like, who's well, the better treasure hunter? Come right. on. I think that the way that they get around not ever rebooting Indiana Jones is by not rebooting Indiana Jones. That's right? true. Just let it die when Harrison dies. <laughs> no, I, my point was just that they should put um, her in Indiana Jones as the new Indiana Jones, but she's not related to him, and she's not Indiana Jones. She is a fan of Indiana Jones. She is she's Indiana about... Jones. She's learned all. <laughs> <laughs> She's learned from him. She's followed all of his tales and like he dies at the beginning of the movie. And then she kind of takes the throne as like this adventurer who finds his missing adventures that he never got to complete. I don't hate it. I think that's it. It could be yeah, Tom. Tom Holland might hate it, but I like it. She starts calling herself Indiana and then that's it. Boom. That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, if Ray Skywalker can just become Ray Skywalker because she told some old lady that on Tatooine, then anybody can. So I like it. Yeah, I like it too. All right, guys. What about this? Uh, well, let's move into The Walking Dead. Oof. It's officially mm-hmm. dead. It's over. Uh, 12 years, 177 episodes, and it's finally over. Was anyone watching this besides my parents at the end? No. They watched it all? My parents love The Walking Fascinating. Dead. Fascinating. When did you quit? I don't know. If- I didn't, I didn't, I've never watched a single episode. Wow, that's fucked up. You should at least watch the pilot. It's one of the best pilots of all time. Ryan, when did you quit watching? Um, probably around the same time you did with Negan. Yeah. With, uh, I never made it to is. the end of Negan stuff. They killed Glenny. That sucked. With the bat. The and bat that was whatever. Was and end. I was still like, okay, that's daring. But, and then it just was bad after that. So, yeah. Oh, no, no, care. no. So I watched, I watched, Eric, you're never going to watch this show, right? No, I've heard it all. And it's too, there's too much real violence, I think, to, for you to consider watching this. But anyway, um, they shot Carl again. And that's when I was like, okay, how many times can we shoot this kid? He's been shot like three times. (laughs) Like, stop. Oh, I mean, and then you got like just the constant, you know, worry. Where's Carl? Carl, Carl, my son. Oh, God. I couldn't handle it anymore. Coral. 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 Yeah. So it was all bad. I think think that was probably like season four or five, I want to say. What started off as a really cool thing season one was epic i thought season one was fantastic oh yeah especially at the time um season two was the farm which was an absolute slog travesty terrible horrible then they replaced the showrunner and then three and then three was decent and then four was was just a nightmare oh god yeah that was pretty boring too and then it was already bad so whatever i probably watched like five i don't know yeah i think we we got to negan with that guy jeffrey dean morgan and i was like oh god this is so terrible so bad i can't imagine how bad it got so yeah i guess r.i.p to one of the greatest longest running piles that fell off hard yeah i mean but dude eric go watch the pilot it's unbelievable go watch the first episode Okay. It's really hard to, like, yeah, he won't. hold it as 177 episodes and just be ready to stop right away. No, you should, though. <laughs> just, honestly, it's kind of a self-contained mini-movie. It's Yeah, um, just as a, just as a like, here's the slice of the world of TV at that time. You know, maybe like a little time capsule, uh, you know, viewfinder for that would be kind of cool. All right. So what about this, guys? Some bad news. So there's a new Chris Hemsworth show on net. Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. And <laughs> you were on the show, if you've, been, if you've been on social media at all, you might have seen this clip that's going around where they do all these tests on Chris Hemsworth and then they find out that he has like this rare 
gene from his mom, but also the same rare gene from his dad. So he has twice the amount of this rare gene, which makes him like 10 to 20 times more likely to get Alzheimer's. Yeah. And so you can like watch this, him find this out. And it was pretty tragic. And it's kind of hard to watch someone who's had everything kind of given to them, like Chris Hemsworth has, um, even have to deal with that kind of information um, in real time. And so it seems like as you could imagine, this would feel for anyone to receive this news. It's made him probably put his life into some real perspective and what's important because of this, he's saying he's going to take some time off of acting to spend more time with his family. So uh, Chris Hemsworth literally seems like a really cool dude, in my opinion. And um, I don't think we've ever heard anything but good stories about him. And so I think I speak for everyone when we hope uh, the best for Chris Hemsworth and hopefully his Itis from the screen will uh, bring him back to do more great movies because well, we do love to watch him. Extraction 3, 4, and 5 with the Russo brothers at the helm need to happen. And yeah. I, I will watch them. No, um, I, and I think what's ironic is this show was pitched of, like, initially, I think when I saw the first trailer, it was like, I'm, I'm here, like, you know, it's him talking, like, I'm here to explore, like, how to... You know, like the longevity of life, like how to how to, you know, continue like to live a a longer life. And then this comes out where you're like, actually, you might not remember most of it. And it's just like, I mean, what a stark contrast from what he initially set out to do to have the rug like pulled out from underneath him. It's just kind of brutal. And I guess, you know, a lot of the episodes push, you know, it's also like testing the limits of the body and he's going really hard on some things. And he's, I don't know if he's trying to hold his breath or climb a mountain or whatever, but he's doing really hardcore shit. Um, I guess even Disney, who produced the show, saw it and said, you're not doing that show again. We need you for all our properties, Thor and, and the like, right? So they, I guess it's pretty hardcore. I haven't watched it. I don't have that much interest in it, uh, but it is sad and you know, I do hope that even if he's 20 times more likely than the average person, uh, it doesn't mean he's going to get it. It's still probably a, a low chance, I hope. But yeah, I mean, I get it. Take some time while you have all your full, you know, power of your mind to spend time with your family. Yeah, yeah. It's Absolutely. my. It'll be. It'll be my new climbing doc. I'll. Uh, I'll report back to you guys. If he does an episode on a mountain, you will watch it. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Uh, what about this? George Martin says that there is an animated Game of Thrones movie that's on its way. It's called The Ice Dragon. Does this do anything for you? No, don't care. I don't know. I don't know what a <clears throat> animated Game of Thrones show would look like, so I can't really say I'm not interested. Um, I initially thought I would not be interested in animated shows. Um, Arcane and Invincible, Jimbo mm-hmm. Yurek, changed True. my mind on that, and so I'm while not super hopeful, I'm also reserving judgment until I see maybe what it looks like or what it's going to be about before I say yay or nay. Honestly, good point, Ryan. I mean, really, both of those shows are excellent. If it's good like that, I'm sure I'll watch it. So, <laughs> Sorry to rain on your, like, fuck it parade. But, yeah, uh, no, but you're right. I was, I try, mean, I was trying to be pragmatic. To be pragmatic. one of, like, the, you know, one out of 50 that are good, then, yeah, let's go. All right, guys. So... I know you guys are looking forward to who's going to be hosting New Year's. We finally got our answer. Um, I wish that it was Pins actually... And needles. <laughs> I actually was hoping that it was just going to be the same crew, like, from whatever shows. It was Carson like, Daly. No, 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 no. I wanted it to be that same crew of, like, drunk people from, from like... Bravo? Yeah. Bravo and CNN and stuff. I think they're and still they doing all... that. I mean, there's more than one option on, on your New Year's night. I heard well, that now there, were... are some, there are some networks that are banning the hosts from drinking. Boo. Yeah, exactly. Boo. Yeah. I'm being hammered drunk on TV. <laughs> you need those viral moments where they're like taking shots and it's getting sloppy and they're losing the show. They're slipping and slipping and it's not even. Yes. Yes. Pour yeah. the shots. I, yeah. I was, I'm not about this, uh, not having any drinking for our hosts. Our host should be drunk on New Year's, um, but we are getting an interesting duo. It's going to be Miley Cyrus and Dolly. Park. I love it. Um, I love Dolly it is so perfect as a, as a human being. Um, and Miley is such kind of a shit show, but I think she's come to a respectable place in her life. And I think it's great. I mean, I'm probably not going to watch this anyways, to be honest, but I do like the pairing and the promos have been fun. Dolly looks fantastic. Miley's hot. It's all good. Since I since it's an amazing combo. Since your wife's cousins and, and sisters stopped hosting New Year's Eve parties in downtown Minneapolis, I've lost all interest in the New Year's Wasn't Eve Wasn't that the, the peak? That was such a fun party. That was at the local. God, that was a good time. 
All Great downhill time. from there. Life went downhill from there, guys. Life I went think downhill. it did, dude. All right. Uh, we're not that excited about that. But are you excited about this? Bradley Cooper is going to star in a remake of Spielberg's Bullet. I've literally never heard of Bullet. So Same. Bullet's like the name of a character. So it's not – it's B-U-L-L like I-E-T. So my dad right. made me watch this like when I was really young. Like and the it's whiskey? really boring. I mean, it is like – it's an early color movie. They claim to have the first car chase in cinema history. Um, I'm surprised that it started a trend because it was so boring of a car chase. Um, but, you know, that's how movies used to be. I still try to respect it. And, of course, somebody like Steven Spielberg, who has all this reverence for old Hollywood, is going to try to make it cool. Um, Bradley Cooper, who I feel like has his stock has really declined, um, maybe since, like, A Star is Born or even before that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if this is sort of like a relaunch for him. Um He's very cool. Like, I get it. Like, Steve McQueen was the original Bullet, so he was, like, the coolest character, right? Um, so I'm guessing Bradley, Coor- Bradley Cooper is going to be, like, very fucking slick and cool. But I really don't care that much about this. It's going to have to be awesome for me to try to see it. He hasn't really done anything. Oh, well, I guess he did. Yeah, he, I mean, he did. It's mostly been Marvel stuff. Uh, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley was pretty good. Yeah, I did like but that. But then it's actually. Thor, I Am Groot, Guardians Holiday, Guardians 3, Maestro, uh, Leonard Bernstein, whatever that is. And then uh, this Bullet, B-U-L-L-I-T-T thing. But he's playing yeah. Frank Bullet. So. There you go. Uh, so, I don't yeah. care Probably for don't now. Care. I don't. Okay. Well, what about this? Do you care about White Lotus renewed for a season three? Hell yeah. Yes. Let's do it. I like it. I'm caught up. I, I, enjoy, I watch it Sunday night. Okay, well, I'm like, the White Lotus and in a little bit, but do you care that they're going to keep? Absolutely, and I will say I think this is a cool way. If if Mike White is going to continue to write these and has cool ideas, and it doesn't jump the shark, um, I think it's a fun way to see actors, uh, both you know, male and female from foreign countries, from America, etc., kind of flex their chops a little bit, play a little yeah. bit of different roles where like. You know, everyone is essentially a supporting actor or actress um, in terms of the awards because nobody's really the main character. Right. Um, and they get to play something a little bit different. They get, you know, like Aubrey Plaza is playing like this very serious, you know, person and she looks older and she looks like, you know, an attorney um, versus like her character in Parks and Rec who always looked like a teenager. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of stuff. So um, I think it's kind of cool. And and for other people to maybe like reboot, you know, we saw Steve Zahn and, um, you know, a handful of other people in, in season one. And, and now we've got Christopher, whatever his name is from the sopranos Sopranos, who's not in much and uh, i think it's cool uh f murray abraham when was the last time you saw him in anything that you cared about i think this is i think it's cool i think i think it's fun and then maybe young people i think white lotus could go on for seven more seasons and f murray abraham is in mystic quest which is apple apple plus show about the video game company which i've never talked about in the pod but i actually like the show but anyway uh i I like this i i care about this um i like the new season so far I like the drama that like you, that's created when you know someone is going to die, but you don't know which of the characters you're following that will be, which is kind of exciting. Um, it's a it's a good show. It's straight up good. It's just it's not that serious. I like it. Now now I'm to the point where I'm rooting for certain people to be. I want I want them to be the floating body. Like please God, let's person. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, wow. I guess we won't get into White Lotus later. Uh, what about this? Brendan Fraser is gonna skip out on the Golden Globes this year. Yeah. So, did you guys know about this? But do you remember, like, when Brendan Fraser was at the peak of his powers and he yes. sort of disappeared from Hollywood, made like a couple bad movies, but mostly just was gone. Um, I feel pretty like it, I feel kind of responsible. Why? Because you didn't see George of the Jungle or what? I crashed him all the time, and then yeah. I pranked my roommate by. Uh, when he left his computer out in college, I made a joke, Brendan Fraser, voice of a generation Facebook page, and then invited every one of his friends to it. And then I invited every person named Brendan or Brandon Fraser to the group as well. So then every single day for like months, people were joining this stupid group called Brendan Fraser the voice of a generation and who knew how ahead of your time you were because now everybody is on his dick dude they all love him um so but anyways about this this is actually a sad thing eric so thanks for fucking not (laughs) taking it seriously no but like a member of the hollywood foreign press apparently was somebody that um you know runs the golden globes 
but also was like the person that, you know, molested him as a young actor. And so he is saying like, you know, you may nominate me for the whale, which I guess is like really good. And he gives this big career defining performance, uh, but he will not go out of protest for that, um, which I totally respect. So, you know, even, even when he's now talking about these horrible things that happen, he's like, he's winning again because people are, you know, they're open to his story now. Whereas before it was like, don't, we don't talk about that. Harvey Weinstein is still making the best movies in Hollywood. We don't talk about this shit yet. Uh, so I think it's a positive. I stand with Brendan Fraser. I also will not be watching this show. <laughs> wow. On a protest. Yeah. All right, guys. Finally, Quentin Tarantino's next project will be an eight episode TV series. Do we know anything about it? Uh, no, not really. Um, I did hear one thing that I hope it's not. Okay. So in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, there's like Brad Pitt is the stunt double for Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. And apparently for years they worked on this TV show. Who cares? It's some kind of Western, right? Um, there's some talk that he's writing that. Dude, he loves Westerns, man. Uh, it would be so boring if that's what he does. I mean, it would be cool to see, obviously, Brad Pitt and Leo. But I didn't love that movie. I didn't love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't want more from that little mini Or, or hate, Hateful Eight. That was worse. That was for sure yep. worse. But, um, yeah, exactly. His Westerns. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I do really care about this. I just don't want to hear that it's related to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I want it to be something brand new and totally weird. That's what how we could kind of win with this. And nobody's even picked this up yet. Every, I mean, Apple TV is set to spend, you know, Amazon is going to try. Everybody's going to try to spend, oh, yeah. you know, everything on it. It'll be a straight to eight episode order. It's going to uh, be, it's going to be the new players in town that get it. Like, yeah. Probably ones that are really willing to blow the budget on it. So yeah. I don't know. I, I'm excited about this. We just don't know enough yet. Apple TV has so much money. They couldn't even care. This is an accounting error. They couldn't care less about whatever Tarantino wants financially. Yeah, I, I agree. They honestly will probably win. What do you guys want it to be? I think it'd be fun to be to do a sci-fi thing. You know, he was interested in doing Star Trek for a little bit. I don't think this is going to be a Star Trek series, but that's a possibility. Um, something just a little different or horror from him would be really cool. He's done some great horror stuff. I would love like his version of alien. Yeah. Like with like a space horror, like some sort of like space drama in that regard. And I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how his that works best out. Movies like, that, are that's kind of like do. ensemble drime or crime drama type of stuff, I think, but I'd rather yeah. see him just try to do something totally different and see what happens. I mean, obviously and, he, when he, his, his period pieces are great. His war dramas are crazy. So you probably can't go wrong, but I don't maybe know. we don't. Hoping... Maybe we don't cast Samuel L. Jackson in something cool. You know, that's he will be in it. Just know that that's that's a given. I know. I want it to be like a like um, a a sci-fi um, heist movie with like a a fascist leader of Christoph Waltz. Ooh, ooh, I like that a lot. That sounds great. So Spectre, yes, no. but in space. No, I was thinking more <laughs> <Yes>. like. <laughs> That's how a Hollywood pitch works, Spectre. And then people are like, mm-hmm, I'm listening, in Everyone space. Thinks, thinks Spectre, in space, Quentin Tarantino. Do we yeah, have a meeting? Like, yes. In Spectre, he's like a secret villain. I want him to be like the face of the so government. So you want Dune with Christoph and Waltz I want him, at the head. I want him to be, and I want it to be like a heist movie where like they are They steal the spice. Like, yeah. They have to steal the Declaration yeah, of Independence. It. Yeah, I got it here. It's I called Dune. That. It's called it's Children of Dune. Like it's that. the same thing. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking is more like um like Andor because like pretty much what Andor is. Because <laughs> you want more Andor, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much Andor. That's I don't right. know. I wasn't thinking space until you guys talked me into space. Yeah, it doesn't have to be space. We just started there, but yeah. Yeah, you guys started in space right away, and then I got sucked. Well, on I that. think I I think we we were excited years ago when we heard the like Tarantino directing the next Star Trek, and I think we all had semis thinking about that because it. It's very intriguing that they're going to go from like this like safe, clean thing to like Tarantino, which would have been awesome. Right. I think I think it would have been a massive hit. Everyone that loves Star Trek is over forty years old. You know what I mean? Like ready for this? Yeah. Like they're they're fine with it. Like they don't care. So I think everyone wants his version of like Star Trek, Star Wars, Alien, something to to kind of like bridge that gap. I just want some big names to join in. Like I want some of their regulars. Like give me. Either Leo. Leo or Pitt yeah. or, I guess, Samuel L. Jackson or Christoph Waltz or Uma Thurman or any of them. John and Travolta. Like, give, me a, 
Well, give me some big <laughs> names that are like always working with him within like a couple like new refreshing ones that I'm like, they get to work with Tarantino on this. Like, we probably will get to see some big actors do some TV. So that will be cool. Yeah. Jonah Hill. Right. Jonah, Jonah Hill joins the troop Love for us. Quentin Tarantino. I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where he's headed, but I'm excited to find out. Um, and I hope that this is like the beginning of more big time people taking on TV shows. It feels at this point like you either do TV or you do movies and there's no one crossing that too much other than uh, sort of kind of Taika. Mm-hmm. And who else is? Um, uh, I don't really think. Yeah, people have kind of moved over into TV, I feel like, from movies. I mean, you had Fincher, who we'll talk about later today, he did that really boring show that was like so insanely boring that Man people Hunt pretend or, like, uh, Mindhunter. Mindhunter, oh, yeah. How did I try with that? What a waste of his time and talents. I wish he had just done movies during that time. But didn't he only do like the first four episodes? Yeah, but he's I, like writing and producing. He's always busy with it. He I liked it. I, I know you guys didn't. I liked it. I enjoyed it, but it was it was, yeah. it was slow. It was slow. I agree. All right, guys, it's time for us to move on to hot wrecks and not wrecks. Um, you guys really wrecked White Lotus. Is there anything else you want to add on to that? No, watch it. Yeah, it's great. There's a theme song for the season. It's there's some holes in this house. So when you watch it, just keep that in mind. Okay, uh, let's talk about the other big show that dropped. That's Netflix's 1899, a show that we have been really excited about here on the Nordies podcast, as we were massive fans of the show Dark, one of my favorite shows ever. Yeah. And this was the second show, I believe, made by the directors who did Dark. This was their second show for Netflix on a lucrative long-term deal, and this show is called 1899. And uh, like Dark, they... Um, like to meddle around with the idea of science in a way that, um, I don't know, is beyond what you would believe the current level of technology is for the day. Is that a fair way to say it? Sure. Sure. And so they continue this with 1899. Science fiction in period pieces almost. Yeah. And so 1899, they're going to be messing around with different technologies that we would not think existed in the year 1899, which makes them kind of fun. And so it makes you traveling through time, like going back in time to a a place that might seem sort of boring for us to watch uh, a show um, becomes pretty exciting. Now, I'm only one episode in. I'm going to try to savor this show. Um, I've heard some pretty mixed reviews about how complicated the story gets and that they get off plot a little bit sometimes, a little too much. Um, but through one episode, I think I was really impressed. And the mysteries that they're able to build in their universes are so fun and have me just guessing and on my toes at all times. Yeah. And it seems like another cool mix of uh, actors we would never have met before because there's German actors and there's French actors. And there's definitely a lot of people that, um, you know, have to do scenes together that aren't, you know, each other's first languages. Uh, which makes sense for the plot, right? It's like this steamship that's supposed to go from Europe to America, and it's got a huge mix of Japanese. You know, it's just all these different cultures. It's a melting pot. So there's that clash. You know, and then there's this cool central mystery where they go and, you know, have to investigate this other steamship that's been missing for four months. And what they find is surprising, and it's, you know, dynamic, and um, the situation is getting scary. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm into it so far. I've watched three uh, and after three, I can say that it, it like this. If this was the JC three, it would be a wreck. I also have no idea what the fuck is going on, which I think is yeah. normal for this type of series, right? So like they have asked seventeen very interesting questions, no answers yet, right? So um, just I hope that as they start to answer these questions, they're satisfying. It's exciting. It's not what you expect. Um, but I, I'm really liking the performances and the mysteries that they're at least opening up are very interesting. I have all right. What I know? Hold hold on a second. I've got I've got the ultimate question Mm. for you guys with this series and this creator or this this group of creators. Yes. What is the best way to watch this? Is it English dubs or is it in the native language with the subtitles? And I think we're going to have differing opinions. Yeah, it's in English way more. They speak English and Spanish and German. I would just watch it how it was meant to be watched. Yeah, and that's in more English than Dark was. So. I would say English is the main language. But oh, there are okay. So that's a that's a big paradigm shift for them. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's an English are, show. It's an yeah. English show in that the nothing is dubbed. No, there is nothing dubbed. It's um, you just watch it in English. There's some English characters that's in English. When there's German mm-hmm. speaking, it's subtitles. So yeah. Okay, I, so I they got all that, that covered like, then. Yeah. Is there sort of that yeah. two versions where the subtitles don't even match the dubs? I hate that shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are subtitle guy overdubs, no dubs. There are characters speaking in Japanese, Spanish, German, French, and English on the show. Yes. I think like that confusion is definitely a main I, part of the. These guys are. Is so are I, haven't, I haven't watched one second of it, and I'm already like, "You motherfuckers! You did one in German and you <laughs> fucked us up, and now you're yeah, going to add just, five five more languages." There. Yeah. I hope it works. I really do. I hope they land the ship and we can't wait for either more of this or if it's, it turns out to be a one-off, then we get something new. Uh, Sounds like there is going to be a season. Is well, I've, also, the furthest who, I've gotten in spoilers is just that um, people are making their guesses for season. Okay. Yeah. Also, who cares? Let's let these people flex their creative muscle. They clearly have this steampunky, time uh, you know, otherworldly vibe going. There's not really a big market for that. Let's let them do their thing and just sit yeah. back and enjoy it. And and that's I think where where we should be as a pod. I, I agree. So yeah, eighteen ninety nine on Netflix. Watch it. DM us. Let me know what you think. And it's it's a, it's like the right level of spooky. I've heard some people describe it as a horror show, and I would definitely say it is not a horror show. It has horror, but it is, it is a little scary at times. And like they like to. Um, dive into like characters i mean i'm not very far but characters headed into dark scary mysteries yeah um with no idea what they're gonna find and like that kind of stuff is fun so if you like mysteries and you like science fiction um and you like really good acting um i would say i'm a big fan now of this guy andres pietschman who was obviously a i think he was called the traveler is all i'll say in the show dark well he's a great actor yeah, he is really good. So like he some was of those middle dark- aged Jonas. Yeah. Yep. And that was and he was so good. And he's great in this so as the captain. So So good. So yeah, they've really found some they've kind of like introduced us to some new actors and I think that that is another thing I'm I'm quite thankful for with this show. So feeling excited about 1899. I hope everyone else tunes in as well. Love it. All right, uh, Jim, you watched the the uh, documentary Stutz. I did. I did. I watched it with my therapist's wife, um, and she found it very interesting. I, I thought it was pretty good. I think you guys, I'd be curious on your guys' take. Let's say that. So this is Jonah Hill and his therapist, who's named something Dr. Stutz. I don't know what his first name is. Um, and the guy is like, I took him more of like almost a motivational coach um, and a therapist, I guess. He has like this theory of, you know, different ways to approach your life and you can document it and it's it's almost like if you live by these, you know, tenants, you'll improve your life. And I just thought it was fascinating how into this guy Jonah Hill is to the point where he's, you know, making this big passion project documentary. Um, it is very interesting. You know, at times Jonah Hill doesn't open up. Sometimes he does. It's sort of like an extended therapy session between the two of them. Um, you know, halfway through, I'm like, should I turn this off? And then I kept watching. And I'm glad I did. Right. So if you watch it, finish it. Uh it's it's I haven't seen anything like it ever. I'll say that. That's I mean I, I don't know how else to describe it. I think it is entertaining and it's definitely interesting. So it is a wreck. It's just it might not be for everybody. Is it mostly the interview, like the the sessions with his therapist, or is that just all of it? That's no. I mean, it's like most of it for sure is conversations with them, and then the Stutz guy sort of explaining his take on stuff and you know applying it to his life or like other people he's met it doesn't seem like something that's going to be captivating and I wouldn't have watched it if my wife didn't, you know, hadn't started it, but I did like it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's okay. Well, you and Jonah Hill are boys. So he's my guy. I I talked to him once in a bathroom in Hollywood. So we're cool like that. All right, uh, guys, let's move on now to our three watch round two of our three watch. So we gave, what was it? Round one went to David Fincher. Uh, second place was, the Coen brothers and third place was Denis Villeneuve. And that was uh, how we broke down round one. We're starting round two with David Fincher's the game, the game. I had, I had no idea what this movie was about. I literally had heard of it only. Um, I I, knew nothing. And to be fair, I think that's the best. That's the only way you can approach this. 
So this movie came out in 1997. Um, it's described as a thriller mystery. Yeah. And it stars uh, Michael Douglas, who is really good at playing the same character in every movie that he's in. Rich, well-dressed guy. Yeah, he's good who's at being like, bougie. Who's like a little bit um, too aggressive with women. Very aggressive, yeah. <laughs> Generally. Like, that's all he's in. Just period. It's too much. Um, so... Also, I was interested to see that uh, Sean Penn was his brother, uh, Conrad, in this movie as well. Connie, so the, by the way, I thought that Sean Penn was just a lot older than he must be. Because why was he playing like a 22-year-old, 24-year-old? Like, Was he that old when this movie came out? I don't know. I thought he was 60 now. Yeah, I thought so too. And he looked like he was like a, a young, like, yeah, he looked like he was in his early 20s. So in yeah, this these movie... Rich, these rich pricks have kids you know until they're 70 yeah. years old you know I'm that's just true kidding, but like that's that, that i think that may have been the vibe they were going for i also think that like they needed one really good actor at the time to fulfill this conrad role and mm-hmm. sean penn was kind of an it guy at the time and fincher cast Not that him i thought and... sean penn did a great job as conrad either oh so, really i thought he was movie... fantastic when this movie came out, Michael Douglas was 53 years old and Sean Penn was 37 years old. 37? Yeah, I thought wow. he was like in his 20s. Yeah, I think that they were. he was supposed to be kind of the younger fuck-up brother. Yeah. No, not um, supposed to be. That's what he was. That's what he was. Yeah. yeah. That's what he was. But if he was a 37-year-old, he, I don't know. Anyways. Oh, you had like this weird mystery that didn't really get explained, that their dad had killed himself. Mm-hmm. And they like showed these weird flashbacks, but they never spoke about it and they never talked about it. And it just wasn't really anything more than some random flashbacks. Um, they grew up with great wealth. Um, and then it must have been some kind of um, business or some kind of ladder for Michael Douglas's character, Nicholas Van Orton, to climb to become this incredibly powerful, wealthy businessman. And his brother, Conrad was running around as a nepotism baby fuck up sure he's rome yeah he's rome yeah. by the way speaking of succession how did you like the opening eric that had like some weird piano music over it and then oh. old-timey super rich people like standing by i was like this is the opening to succession pretty, pretty yeah. on the and, nose and, on that and like the house and like the flashbacks like the suicide flashbacks yeah. all reminded me of succession yes so, uh i think I, it's definitely safe to say the intro to succession was very much inspired by whatever whoever did this intro pulled pulled right from it well david fincher so pretty much in this you you get like a interesting um, birthday lunch with the the two brothers that's like unannounced and conrad in this gives his gift which is like a a number to call a number to call from like um this weird mysterious business and eventually feeling a little bit curious nicholas decides to call this number because you see he's like um wealthy and successful but there's lots missing in his life is i think what you're supposed to take away from it because he goes home and all he does is watches pretty much fox news or the business channel or whatever it is channel yeah essentially yeah 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 and so he goes home and does that every night. He reheats his dinner. He just doesn't really have anything going on in his life. He calls this number. And I think like the early parts of what was the company called, Ryan? CRS. CRS. The early CRS stuff was the best part of this movie. I agree. Like, so when he goes into the office and they're testing him and you're wondering what it is. Yeah, that was all good. And then, and then when he goes home for the first time and they're talking to him on his new show. I was like, this is pretty cool. With the dummy. So, and that guy, was, that guy was actually that... that guy was actually like a legitimate like um, news broadcaster at the time um, as well. Who they you know they kind of you know spliced in like what was real versus talking to him and then then the clown dummy and all that stuff. And you do you guys do realize that um, Mission Impossible directly ripped that shit off? Mm-hmm. Yes. Remember when Wolf Blitzer was on the screen talking oh, yeah. about how the t- doing a fake broadcast to trick that guy into thinking his plan. <laughs> so they, did, so listen, gave they didn't info. rip it off. They took inspiration from you guys. Okay? And who knew not, this we're not making was so, accusations. Uh, foundational in so much yeah. other work. We didn't know. So eventually he gets in this like crazy plot where they know everything about him. They have access to everything that's going on. 
And so you kind of don't understand, and he doesn't either. The lines are so blurred about, is this a game or is this real? It's pretty much Because the... they are doing real damage to his life and his property and his house and his bank and um, his money. It feels yeah, like just, even yeah. if this is a game, it's it's nefarious. It's very it's over the line. It's not okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at one point he is... It, it's pretty extreme. I mean... If people have complaints about the Dark Knight and the Joker's, like, 35-point plan, this was, like, a 250-point plan. And, <laughs> yeah. like, I think that that kind of took me out of this movie a lot of times. Totally. I was, kind of like, I was kind of like, dude, how would they know what he was going to do here? Supposedly, he took this test that he wasn't even all in on taking. Mm-hmm. And then they just knew every move he was going to make forever. And so... I mean, there was just so many things that he would be somewhere and someone would die and then he would react a certain way and then he would go to a place in the back of an ambulance and then he would get driven off of a thing in a car into the water and then he wound up in Mexico. The, the, the most the Brand. most unrealistic part of the of like, you know, comparing old time to current time is the crank window where like nobody yeah. knows what the crank window is today, you know? Yeah. And then like you just don't know because then Conrad is all upset they won't leave him alone. He meets this girl, then she works for them, and then she's helping him escape, but then she drugs him. And, like, the movie just got gets so fucking hectic, and it all kind of comes down to this grand finale where he finds the actor on the television that interviewed him. He gets the information on that guy, finds out where he is, goes to the zoo, finds the guy at the zoo with his kids, and holds him up at gunpoint, like, in public. Yep. Like, very publicly, pulls a gun out and is like, I'm crazy. I will do whatever. No cell phones. Didn't matter. No one yelled. No one cared at all that he did this. And then he takes the guy, busts into the building. And at this point I was like, I'm pretty curious what's going to happen. Well, that was through the cafeteria, right? Or whatever, like through the, yeah, yeah, which was a cool scene, right? So he, he takes this guy through this cafeteria. You're waiting for him to pay off. You're waiting for all this stuff to pay off. And finally, like you get like this Amazon warehouse, you know, kind yeah. of like walk through with everybody. You get the walk through and you see all these little side. You see the cab driver that drove into the lake and you see the, you know, I don't know, the waitress. The construction there, worker or, or yeah, all that stuff. You know, yeah. You see all these, these people that he thought were real people. Extras. Out, they were all in on it. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool, like my paranoia was legit. This is fucking crazy. But but so, I think I think before that scene I think you're like Eric you're like uh, is this real or is it not like how far over the line are they going how... Yeah once we wrap the finale which I think this is one of those movies unfortunately where it leaves a huge impression on you because the ending is so cool but the rewatch doesn't isn't that great cuz I'm just I, agree. I, the, I was bored with the rewatch but anyways totally um, agree because it's all about the ending so Eric why don't you finish this up here and then I I want to ask you at what point were you thinking which way was this leaning? Was it a, a, a benign game, or was they were were they really taking advantage of them? So go ahead. I thought they were taking advantage. Okay, which they so are Finan- the financially. Financially, they are for sure. Yeah, I thought they were taking advantage of him, and I was like, I was kind of in on that, but I was like, it seems like a really unrealistic business, but or even scam, but it was mm-hmm. pretty cool. And they he gets onto the roof with the girl, who's like now helped him, fucked him over, helped him, fucked him over. And they get on the roof. He locks them up there. He's demanding answers from her. And he has a gun. And then she's like, no, that's not a a prop gun. That's a real gun. Where did you get that? And then she's freaking out saying it's a party. It's a party. It's a party on the other side of this thing. And I was like, I don't think it's a party. Right. And so you got got the they bust open. And then Conrad comes out with with champagne. He shoots Conrad. And then. Doesn't even go and check on him. He's just, like, distraught. They're like, no, how could you let this happen? All the people are fighting with each other. Then he tries to kill himself like his dad did. Right. Not only could he, he couldn't just jump off a building. This drama queen had to jump through Into a, a fucking beautiful, like, party, like, roof of glass. Right. He jumps through it. He lands on a pad. I hated that. Oh, you wanted him I, to die. Really? I hated it. At the, I, I think that they ruined the movie with that second ending that was the movie, the movie. was called the movie was called the game eric it was yeah, a game so, yeah Everybody's the game okay. and he his money's back he, he shot the guy and that was he fucked up the game that should have been it he took it too seriously oh my mm-hmm. god it was a game the whole no, time but they were playing they were playing yeah. him so then anyway he fakes 
brother. He jumps off the fucking roof. He lands in a pad, and then they brush him off, and he's okay. And then there's a party for his birthday, and, and he gets the girl, like, and he's now interested uh, in more things than than his job, and it fixed and his, his whole penis life. Penis works again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you hated uh, that. So I didn't like the second ending part. I wish he would have like. I wish it would have been a game, and they would have been like, "Dude, it was a fucking game. We told you it was a fucking game the whole time, and now your brother." But the, how can they do that if he jumped off the roof? They can't be should like die. all over should've his corpse. Be like, "You fucking idiot!" Yeah. <laughs> should have fucking died, and then that was it. And the movie just ended. And they were so like, like, "I think the fact that you can look at the significantly unrealistic nature of coordinating that." last 10 minutes that that last feet um as like knowing where he's okay. gonna jump it, from and yeah it's just like completely preposterous to he did hey they did give that one line for us and for you guys specifically that was like yeah if you hadn't jumped i was supposed to push you <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. I, you Which, could tell but they also like ee for his behavior this is the this is the the star wars argument of like well we got to go through the blockade like well there's infinite different directions you can go to leave the planet. Why do you have to go directly through the blockade in Star Wars in the Empire Strikes Back? Like, why don't you just go west or go east when you're exiting the planet and then you don't have to go through that? But um, that it it felt forced in that. But I will say, I did not have the same reaction the first time I watched the game. The first time I watched the game as, like, I don't know, 22-year-old me or whatever, my mind was fucking blown away. Right. I love this movie on rewatch it's going to be like we're going to run we're going to run into the same issues when we watch fight club right where i don't think so when you when you know yeah but no but like when you know the thing yeah it takes a lot of steam away from what's actually going on and maybe eric is a little bit more pessimistic or maybe the movie is a little bit too old to garner the, the quality of attention that it deserves but like at the time or like close to at the time this was a, like a really cool, like groundbreaking movie. Yeah. Maybe it's been done over and over at this point in time, and it's not quite as cool. It definitely had one of my biggest problems with it on rewatch was like the witty retorts were so poorly written and cheesy. Um, you know, for him to have like all these one liners oh. throughout. I mean, like he, here's a here's a real line. I could be wearing nipple clamps, but fucking Captain Kangaroo, nobody would give a shit. I'm like, that's a real line from a real movie. Yeah, I mean, that's not uh, good. Okay, so I thought this movie was messy, messy. I don't, I don't like, think Fincher wrote this. To be fair, this is no, he doesn't write movie. He's not yeah, doesn't really write any of it. He's a, was, I thought this movie was a step down from Seven, which I thought was a masterpiece. Even on rewatch, I thought, wow, Seven is old and it's dated, but it's still fucking good. This movie, I, I liked. Um, it wasn't bad. It's a, it's a fresh for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was a mess, and like I was like doing gymnastics myself, trying to like not put plot holes in a movie that were like, even was pre cell phones. And like, I just kept being like, it's just too complicated. Like, how did they know all this was going to happen? How did he know that the dogs weren't going to catch him? And he was going to escape running on these random pieces of wood with this girl. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, but like Eric, you've seen dark and you've seen like other very complicated movies. And I think in the, in the lens of 1977, sorry, 1997 or whenever this came out, there weren't, complex pieces of cinema either movie or tv that this would that this would compare to so i think i think why i think your criticism is totally fair i'm not knocking what you're saying i'm trying to hearken back to the time where oh young and spry little ryan watched this david fincher (laughs) uh well well directed like well like well done thing that i'd never seen before and i thought it was awesome at the time does it hold up Probably not as much. Yeah. So this is what I will say, the compliments I will say. This movie was before its time. That's what I think is my best okay. compliment. This movie was Agreed. before its time. It was it was cutting edge for where movies were headed. And you can see why we started this by saying, oh my God, we love this and it kind of ripped this off. Oh, we love this and it kind of ripped this off. And mm-hmm. I'm sure the list would go on and on and on. And I bet if you asked writers and directors what they thought of the game, they'd be like, the game is fucking sweet. I love the game. Because... It was so ahead of its time, like you were saying. It's so complicated. And I think it pushed us in a direction where movies and TV were not these, like, um, they weren't pop songs, right? They were, mm-hmm. like, they were like a new genre of music. They were, like, different and complicated. And well, how, I like let me, that. Let, let me ask you, how many times over under of 10 did you think it was a game or did you think it was real? 
flipping quite flip a few. That was back that's and forth. Yeah, yeah, right so up until I, the I very like, end, which I love that last minute where yeah. it flipped me again. I liked this movie. I thought it was ahead of its time. And here's my other thing: this movie is crying out for a remake. It is. This is the <laughs> perfect movie that should be remade. Or a sequel. Why don't they get somebody else? But now we know it's yeah. a thing. But it could. It could, you know, the company could be falling apart and twist at the end where it's like, actually, they were trying to steal money. Yeah, we don't need to know what the end is. They can twist it the opposite way if they want to. Mm -hmm. Or they can tell the same story, but a modern version of it. And, like, there are plenty of stories that we've seen. Like, we knew the ending of Rogue One before we saw it, and we all liked Rogue One a whole hell of a lot. Totally. So they could tell a story that I know and just do it so well that I'm I'm still caught by different twists and turns, or I'm questioning my own understanding of the story. So I liked it. I, I thought it was ahead of its time. I'd love to see a remake of this movie. My score, though, is only a 76. Okay, that's fair. Mine's an 80, so not that far off from yours. Dude, that's that was the exact score I had. I had it in an eighty. I thought I thought while it the ending reached big, I thought a lot of the like um, this pen leaked in your shirt and you had to change your shirt and that caused this other chain of events to happen and your briefcase didn't unlock, um, so you couldn't do your meeting. So that deal didn't you know go through or whatever whatever it was that was happening at that time. Like I thought all of those like small details where they all mattered made the movie like cool and interesting, even on rewatch, even though I know it was going to happen. I thought like, oh, it's like, man, they, they really thought of a lot of these like um, how all of these dominoes were going to fall in succession of one another. And I thought it was really cool. Like Eric said, maybe a little bit ahead of its time. Maybe it wasn't quite ready. You know, the world wasn't quite ready for a movie that cool, but it also because it was ahead of its time allowed them to be sloppy. With yeah. some of the, with some of the like more robust plot points, yeah. Um, like if that movie came out today, they'd be like, "What? That doesn't." You know what I mean? Like it, there yeah, would be like, a lot of criticism with the yeah, a little more microscopic eye. So I was at an eighty with Jim, same thing. Um, and I think I think you know, what you have Eric seventy six average score of seventy eight ish, a seventy nine. I think that's right where it should be. I think that's a totally fair mm-hmm. um, score for the yeah. Liked it. It's my least favorite movie of the four we've watched so far. Sure, um, mine too. But I thought it was like in the in the vicinity of some of the other ones. So far, Seven is my favorite movie that we've seen in the rewatches. But I have to say, like when I was watching this movie, I thought to myself, man, Fincher, in my opinion, I thought Fincher did a great job in round one. And I think at this point, um, if I was putting betting odds on it, I'd say he's probably the favorite to end up in third in round two. So, Which is I'm, fun, right? Oh, that's that's the beauty of this. this is, that's like, dude, it's the great fucking rounds for a reason. Let's go. It's it's the Great British Bake Off, like the guy that wins Bread Week, you know, sucks the next week during Cake Week or whatever. Um, <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> I have a feeling that we're going to get like my guess is that we're going to get highs and lows from Fincher and Villeneuve and we're going to get consistency from pretty the steady Coen. from the Coen brothers. I totally a agree. A bunch of twos from the Coens. Well, and from the you know me. I'm an average guy, baby. That's why they're going to come fucking bring this it's home. The Frank Gora movies. Um, I think <laughs> I also think um, that one other point for the game that I heard on the rewatchables was that Fincher's wife told him not to do the game. She thought that there were too many holes in the script, that it wasn't clean. It wasn't tight um, coming off of seven. Mm-hmm. You know, this wasn't the next movie for him to make, but eventually he um, agreed to do it because he thought he could make it, you know, what it was. And I think, in the hands of another director, I don't know if it works as well. So I think that right. maybe we got the best version of this movie with David Fincher at the helm. So I think we should consider ourselves uh, pretty lucky that that it worked out the way it did. That's an interesting point. And I will say that, Ryan, I'm right there with you. I don't know how old I was when I watched it, but mind fucking blown. I hadn't really seen a double twist ending like that. And, you know, it. I had I still keep this movie in very high regard, not because of how it holds up today, but just because of the impact that had on me then. Yeah, I think I think my score, if you had asked me before the rewatch, would have been higher. And then oh, after yeah, I would have guessed it, it was going to be an eighty-seven for me. Yeah, and then after Whatever. watching it, you're kind of like, yeah, I see, I see the flaws, and that yeah. sucks because that's okay. You you don't want like it's kind of like how you felt about Fargo, like when we did when we were like. Not quite yeah. as tight as we thought it was going to be, and this this I don't know what you're talking about. that was a perfect 100. It was a perfect 99. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> yeah, nothing I, can fault. phase me on that one. So, all right, guys, <laughs> oh, lots of stuff. We have the Big Lebowski up this week. Watch it with us. 
Um, otherwise, go back and check Don't out. Don't need our... to watch it. I can I can recite the movie front to back, so I can I'm not play watch it, it in my head. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've only seen The Big Lebowski once in my whole life. I've seen it many oh times. There's a couple Maybe movies too. where you know if we if we do see an apocalypse and there's no electricity, there's gonna be a couple movies I can still watch in my mind, and that be <laughs> that'll be one of them. All right, guys. So go back, check out our sports cast. We tell you why it's not time yet to panic about the Vikings. We talk about the World Cup. And we break down the new rebrand for the Minnesota Twins. It was a great episode. And otherwise, uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. Hopefully you guys had a great, long, extended weekend with family and friends. And uh, thanks for hanging out with your good friends here. We're super thankful for you guys at the Nordies Podcast.